hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I am Brett, and I am here with everybody's favorite co-host, Steve. How are we doing, Steve? Uh, we're, doing, we're doing great. Uh, Big Ten season in full swing, about to kind of head into the, the holiday break here, um, but a lot of good basketball we're looking forward to once the calendar flips. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, just just for the record, I, I feel the need to state, state this every time this topic comes up, but I'm still as good as the games have been so far. I am still vehemently opposed to early December conference games. So uh, even though they now seem to be adopted pretty, pretty uh, like ubiquitously across the across the, uh, the the country. But, you know, regardless of whether I like it or not, they're here and there's been a lot of good stuff. And I think, you know, we have to we have to start with uh, the number one team in the country going on the road and having trouble at the rack, which has been kind of a a trend for for top Big Ten teams over the last few years as Rutgers uh, ended up hitting a Ron Harper Jr. ended up hitting a game winning about what, 30 footer for the win against Purdue uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, you and uh, Big Ten coaches alike hate these early season conference games. Um, I guess your uh, your biggest enemy in that regard is probably the TV networks. Um, but yet again, yeah, you know, so Purdue and Rutgers. So I mean, yeah, you know, we can talk about that final play all we want, the final sequence. It was really like kind of three crazy plays happening within a twenty second period, call it that that ended that game. Okay, so I think just to kind of back up for the, the context of this, we, we haven't talked very much about Rutgers on this um, pod, uh, podcast very much, but to set the scene, so in their last five games leading up to this game, Rutgers had lost at DePaul uh, by three, home against Lafayette by two, at UMass by two, beat Clemson by 10, and then just got smoked by Illinois by 30. The fact that this was even a close game, Frank, I mean, and I guess even before we get to that, Rutgers, like, didn't, they looked like a team heading into the wrong direction, I think, kind of going into mm-hmm. this game. So in that regard, the fact that the game was even close, I think should really, you know, freak out Purdue fans. Um, because, it, it, you know, I don't, I think if you talk to Purdue fans, they'd probably tell you they didn't play their best game of the year. Um, and I mean, you know, if you listen to Painter's press conference after the game, he would have you know, contended that too. Um, but in my opinion, this is the type of fight that I would have expected from Rutgers kind of heading into the year every time they stepped out on the court, especially kind of given the momentum they had from last year. Um, and, and that's really at the end of the day, I feel like what I saw, I saw a tougher team. I saw a team that was executing, you know, the, the advantage of playing at the rack is usually worth, you know, probably five to eight points. But I mean, you know, there was some magic there in that last sequence for them. Um, And I I don't really know what to say other than that. I mean, I think the only thing that can be said is what the Rutgers radio uh, color commentator was saying when as the as the play by play guy was trying to narrate what was happening. He just kept yelling like, let's go. And the the clip is the clip is truly wonderful. And it encapsulates everything that that we love about college basketball. Um, I don't know. I think. I might push back a little bit on your point that like Purdue fans should be worried about it. I mean, granted, it's never, you know, kind of good to lose to a team that's that's had that kind of recent run of bad games. But I think I think at a certain point, especially in a in a tough environment, Purdue is kind of, you know, going to eventually lose one of these games and, you know, kind of figuring out how to get back to it. And they had, a you know, another game uh, today, earlier today on Sunday 
Um, but, you know, trying to figure out how to respond from that isn't necessarily like the worst thing. Although, you know, I think you would, everyone would have expected them to win this game. Um, but also something I did just learn is that the rack is now called Jersey Mike's Arena, which might be like the best stadium name you could possibly think of. So we're going to have to work on some nicknames for that one. So I, I think it's fair to ask, though, you know, so if you're Purdue, look, look at like your three best players. OK, you know, Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, and then probably Trayvon, Trayvon Williams. Right. Like yep. mm-hmm. and you know, I think I I've kind of been pleasantly surprised by what Edie's been able to give to them from a productivity standpoint. I think we knew that, you know, when he, once he'd get his feet under him, you know, he was going to be an effective big, like they've kind of traditionally had, but I think he's exceeded expectations to, to this point in a lot of regards. But I, I think the thing you worry about if you're Purdue, so those three guys, Edie, Ivy and Williams scored 49 of their 68 points, you know, that game. And when you get absolutely nothing from the rest of your supporting cast, you know, other than, you know, other than those top three players, I think that's, you you need your secondary guys to make shots on the road. You know, if you're a legitimate number one team, if you're a legitimate contender for a conference title. Um, and so I think the imbalance there is, is something that I would certainly worry about. You know, they, they didn't shoot their typical um, like they do from three, you know, they were seven of 26 that game. So like, it, it, it was a reversion to the mean game for them for sure. Um, but I, I do wonder when it comes to just the ability to make shots, you know, and particularly if your scoring is going to be concentrated among uh, points in the paint, you know, when, when you need them, that, that is something that I would worry about if I were Purdue. Yeah. I, I, to your point, I think when we had talked about last, last time uh, how they're really, need the yeah they they basically need their 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 uh, secondary scorers to not only make shots but i mean take them and and i'm looking through the box score this game again and they no one was shooting the ball really except for the the three guys you mentioned besides and stefanovic had an off night from three um which will happen but it also is um it's never a good sign because he's usually a pretty reliable shooter but yeah i think like Caleb first didn't take a shot that game. Um, Morton wasn't playing very well. Like n- none of these guys were just looking to kind of find their own shots. It kind of looks like they're waiting for Ivy or, or Trayvon Williams to really f- figure something out. And that's when this team will get bogged down when they're not getting that full contribution as good as, as good as the big three on that team are. So I, I actually do, I do agree with your points there. So yeah, I think, and you know, we saw them, we did see just Purdue come back and, and rebound uh, with a Sunday win in overtime when they were down big in the second half. Um, so I think, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's a, a panic button yet, but uh, so it was good to see, good to see that kind of, of rebound from a, from a loss and a, and a tight turnaround when you're staying out East. Um, so moving on another team that had uh, kind of a, a tough start to the year uh, in, in Illinois uh, first, first conference game, first road game. Uh, they go on the road and beat Iowa um, again, you know, not really a the the cleanest game ever. They're still really uh, having an issue with turnovers. They turn the ball over 18 times, but they come out of Carver Hawkeye with a win. And I don't really think you can ask for much more than that to kind of get your season back uh, back rolling after that big win with Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, you know, their their offense is now. I think th- this was finally like a complete game on the offensive side of the uh, the the floor for them. You know, I. I Still probably a little high on the turnovers. They had 18 turnovers against Iowa on the road. Not not exactly a great recipe there, but, um, you know, they shot well from the field, you know, over 40% from the field, over and actually 
44% from three in that game. So, you know, I, I think they, they, with, with Kofi now back and kind of reintegrated into the, the offense, I think they're now kind of at least finding a little bit of a groove. Um, I know uh, a little bit of a groove, um, especially with like some of the role, role players, like, you know, Plummer had a huge game with 21 points there. Frazier, you know, hit hit three threes, like, and was big from the free throw line. Uh, even, like, Grandison, you know, seems to be in a comfort zone, you know, in his role coming off the bench there. And so I think hopefully this is a sign that some of their offensive slumps that they were experiencing kind of earlier in the year, those go away, and you you probably got a team that's pretty consistent on offense there. Um, and And this is really, I think, you know, what, Underwood envisions his program as a, a team that can run with anyone, which, you know, you knew it was going to like, I was probably going to control the pace in this game with it being in Carver Hawkeye, you know, and, and they made enough shots down the stretch. I mean, so Keegan Murray, who I actually thought played, you know, a, an okay game, but only 19 points on 15 shots. Uh, that That's enough. I think to slow Iowa down, you know, enough. Um, and yeah, you know, I think the, the question as we, think about Iowa. So, you know, they lost to Purdue, they lost to Illinois, you know, they're 0-2 to start the, the conference season with probably, you know, two of the tougher games that, you know, exist on the schedule for anyone, at least in this December portion, where do they fall? Maybe another conversation there, but I think Illinois def- definitely trending up. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Keegan Murray. And I think the biggest thing was Keegan Murray had two rebounds in that game and keeping him off the boards like that um, is, is going to be a huge part of how to dictate, dictate control of a game uh, against against Iowa and Kofi Coburn again, 18 rebounds that game. I mean, that's when he's when he's controlling the boards like that, there's uh, they're gonna have to find a more a much more creative ways to lose that game. So I think Illini fans are, are good to are, are happy to see at least, you know, that that win go up and starting to and on conference play is uh, is always a very good sign. Um then kind of rounding out uh, the couple more games to get through uh, before in the early part of the week, uh, we had Michigan going on the road and just totally taking control of Nebraska. We saw a really good game from Hunter Dickinson. Um, and I, you know, I think you can see flashes with this Nebraska team, but you can also see a reason why it's going to be a pretty long year, I think for the Cornhuskers. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, this was probably more about Nebraska's like, Nebraska's ineffectiveness, um, you know, more than anything Michigan did. Um, I, I guess, you know, with, with Nebraska, I, you can kind of see it, you know, what Hoiberg's trying to do. I just like, this was a prime example of a team that just doesn't have good enough players, you know, to really make this work. I mean, so, and, and we knew this going in, but like Burge is, is their entire team. He does a lot one-on-one, um, which isn't, mm-hmm. I think, conducive to, um, winning in the Big Ten, you know, and they shot 32% from the field this game. Like, you're just, I mean, and to, to their credit, they still scored 67 points now, you know, like, you know, Michigan, this was a blowout for most of the time. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, this is how it's going to go for Nebraska most of the year, unfortunately. Yep, yep. I think uh, I think you're totally right on all that. Uh, and then finally for uh, on Wednesday, we had Wisconsin uh, going down big to Indiana, they were down by uh, 17 at the end of the first half. 22 was the biggest deficit they faced, and they climbed out of it and took the lead uh, with a couple minutes left on a Johnny Davis three-pointer. Never looked back. Um, 
I mean, again, I think the the big the big thing here is just going to be looking at the resiliency of of a team like that. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of similar teams might not have fought back or you know kind of run out of gas, but it was it was honestly incredibly impressive, even even bias notwithstanding as a fan, uh, to see a team that young come back from that kind of deficit and and really dig themselves out of that hole and win and win that game. Well, I mean, the 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 crazy thing about this game was. Illinois, or I'm sorry, Indiana blew a 22 point lead and only scored 59 points total in the game. Yeah. Like, just think about that mm-hmm. just for a second, yeah. and think about just like how statistically, how how much of a statistical not uh, of a statistical anomaly it is for like that type. Wisconsin shot 22 percent from three in this game. Like, yeah. it's not like they they got hot and went on a run. Like, Indiana was beating them just stopped executing and Wisconsin kind of continued to do, you know, what, what they did, made a couple of big shots. Indiana, Indiana did miss some free throws. Wisconsin made theirs. So kind of kudos to them, but this wasn't more so this wasn't like a collapse that was instigated by like a, just a crazy, you know, Wisconsin getting hot from here and there. Like this was a legitimate, they just stopped executing um, and their offense just grinded to a screeching halt. It it was really weird because I mean obviously I I've been saying this for weeks about how Trace Jackson Davis is probably the second best player in the Big Ten, and they just stopped giving him the ball. Like he ended he ended with nine points, which is the same amount that Chris Vote had for Wisconsin. Like that's ridiculous. They they just were not giving him the ball. Um, Xavier Johnson was kind of looking running the offense in a probably non-ideal way. He was taking a lot of tough shots. He turned the ball over a few times. He missed his free throws. Not that the whole game is on him, but it didn't help. But I think if you're running the show and especially considering that Jackson Davis is kind of a a matchup nightmare for most of Wisconsin's bigs, I I don't know how you or Mike Woodson like doesn't design more to get Jackson Davis the ball. And especially, and even like Parker Stewart shot well and, kind of didn't take shots down the stretch. So that was just mystifying kind of watching that game. So, yeah, I think, you know, obviously like I was, I was happy with that win, <laughs> but, um, and then we had uh, Michigan state going on the road to previously unbeaten Minnesota. Um, Tyson Walker had a really big game and handed Minnesota their first loss. I uh, didn't ever really look besides maybe the first few minutes, like Michigan state wasn't in control of the game. Uh, so I think if you're, if you're a Spartans fan, you're, you're, excited about that they can go on the win or can go on the road and, and get that convincing win to start conference play. I, I think so. You know, if you watch this game, I, I don't, I, I agree with you. I think Michigan state was in control. The, the scary thing is if you're, um, if you're the rest of the big 10 and you watched how Michigan state kind of played this game from start to finish, um, you would probably say something along the lines of like, dang, Michigan state's in midseason form. When it comes to just kind of how they not they don't turn the ball over, um, they you know execute kind of ruthlessly. They wear you down, you know, at the end, um, and you know they they do it in the half court. And I think this was um, everything we've talked about. You know, Michigan State doesn't have an alpha dog. You know, their situation at point guard. Like you watch this game and you're like, none of this matters because Izzo's got his team in in February, March form in December though. And I think that's a scary thought for the rest of the conference. Now, um, I know we had a lot of questions coming in about Minnesota, you know, and are they for real? I think I actually think after watching this, I was 
despite how Michigan State kind of controlled it from start to finish, I think you you can see what they're trying to build there. And I, I do think the barn is going to be a tough place to play this year because they have the potential to have um, explosiveness on offense. Now, they aren't very deep, and um, they're, I think, vulnerable um, if you got post guys that can kind of wear them down. But for the, the seven to eight guys that, you know, they, they play through their rotation, like they, they can, they can get out and run um, and they can, they can keep up um, in these kind of higher scoring games. So um, I actually have kind of adjusted my view on it. Like, I think, I think there's potential for them to be like a 500 team in conference this year. I know we had them closer to the bottom, but I think if you're a gopher fan and you watch them against Michigan state, even though you lost at home, um, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, I think I think definitely I I do not think that they're the worst Big Ten team anymore. Um, I think, but I also I mean they played seven guys against Michigan State, so I eventually that's gonna that's gonna you know you're gonna have to deal with fatigue issues I'm guessing, and that we'll see what happens when it becomes February and it's you know the the real meat of the conference schedule. But yeah, everything else I've said, you've said that I, th- I think it, it makes sense. Guys like Jameson Battle, Peyton Willis are all are all playing really well, um, and they're getting contributions from from Eric Curry, which is desperately needed if this team wants to be successful. Um, and just to, to your point about Michigan State and and kind of the teams really coming together, they had, in that win over Minnesota, they had four guys in double figures, and it it doesn't get much more uh, much more Michigan State than that. So I think that's a that's definitely. A positive sign, especially with uh, Joey Hauser hitting his threes again. Um, and Max Christie had nine points that game, too. So you're really seeing an even distribution of scoring, which is which is what you're going to want to see uh, if you're a Spartans fan. And then heading into the weekend games. Uh, first, we had the everyone's favorite 11 a.m. starting time on a Saturday. Uh, we had, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Um, it was a five point game at halftime. And then Ohio- EJ Liddell took over. I think he ended with. 27 points. The rebounding battle was thoroughly in Ohio State's favor as they have they were able to figure out that they're just Zed Key and EJ Liddell are way more physical than uh, Chris Vogt and Stephen Crowell and Ben Carlson. Um, and yeah, I mean, anytime, EJ Liddell went, what, 11 for 11 for 16 from the field and to the tune of 28 points. That's a hell of an efficient game. And, uh, you know, I think like like you've said, this Ohio State team is going to have the talent to really be there uh, at the top of the standings. So I think uh, the rest of the Big Ten is is even more on notice now. Yeah, this this was a flex game for Ohio State, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, Liddell's getting National Player of the Year talk. I think you know, and and this game was a I think you know, yeah, th- this game kind of only added to that. Um, I think if you're Wisconsin, you probably are okay splitting your two games this week and kind of taking that and, and rolling forward in the rest of the year. So I, you know, this was going to be, I think a tough matchup, you know, for them specifically going in just, you know, with the physicality with which this team plays with, I think if you're Ohio state though, you, you do still kind of um, worry about the, like how complete your, your team is um, in, in this state where you're without just suing and, um, and Seth Towns, but, um, you know, this is exactly what they need. They need their best players to step up, you know, before those guys get back. And like, this was, this will be a huge, um, resume 
you know, boosting win for them, which is um, crucial. With your Wisconsin, I think you take it on the chin and you 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 move on. Um, I think this is going to be a tough ask, especially after an emotionally an, an emotional win um, over Indiana that we just talked about on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously Johnny Davis, Brad Davis, and good games. The rest of the guys are going to need to keep stepping up. But I think if you had told most Wisconsin fans that they'd be they'd have, they'd be eight and two and split the first two conference games at the at the beginning of the season, they would have thought you were lying. So. Uh, yeah, like like you said, just kind of take it, move on to the next one, get ready for the bye games. Um, and then another, we had a we had a high profile non conference game last night uh, or yesterday afternoon, I guess, uh, where with Arizona who had a bunch of uh, travel issues getting to Champaign, uh, visiting the Illini, and you know we we've, we've talked about Arizona just by virtue of the number of teams they've played from the Big Ten so far. Um, but they were able to come in to Champaign and, and get the win. So obviously this game doesn't um, have any impact on the conference standings. Uh, the, the Illini are still 2-0. Um, and they kept they, they, they held it together. It was, it was a pretty pretty close game throughout. Um, and so I think, I think if you're Illini, an Illini fan, you're obviously disappointed you lost. But uh, you're, not, you're not seeing anything you really hate besides the turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I think what's, what's tough is like when you looked at this game at the beginning of the year, you wouldn't have, you would have, if you're an Illinois fan, you probably would have expected to win it. And, you know, to the surprise of everyone, Arizona's good. Um, I don't know that this loss for them is going to matter, like, come, yeah. you know, tournament time. Um, and Arizona, you know, maybe the surprise nationally, um, just kind of given how they've, you know, they're, they're coaching their first year and they've, you know, really, I think, kind of, surprised everyone that I mean they're gonna be a top 10 team next week and um it may stay that way the whole season just kind of you know based on the conference they're in and um just how you see kind of teams falling week by week out of you know the top 10 national so I I think I think they're this this was more about I think this game meant more to Arizona than it did to Illinois and I think um this is more about how good they are and I think if you're Illinois yeah, like you said, you got punched early, but then you punched back and, you know, you were leading for a while in this game. And then it was kind of close at the end and Arizona kind of took it and won. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if Illinois fans can kind of find a way to take positives from this game, but I, I really do think they're still kind of trending up um, as we go towards conference play here. Yeah, I th- and I think you're seeing the contributions keep coming from like guys like Plummer and Frazier. And that's that's what you need, especially if Curbelo is still on the shelf for for a while. But I mean, these guys are really starting to pick up their three point shooting. They shot over 40 percent from three, I think, in the last couple games. And that's what you need. I mean, obviously, turning the ball only only turning the ball over 16 times is kind of a win for this team at this point. So, you know, you'll take the contributions from other guys as you kind of trend towards the rest of conference play. And then we had a surprise in Ann Arbor last night as uh, Minnesota went in and won by double digits in it in uh, against Michigan. Um, and I I also did not I did not catch this one last night, but um, I don't know what what are, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, honestly, I I think if I, I kind of reiterate everything I said about Minnesota a couple of minutes ago. Um, it was actually, you know, from my perspective, a, a pretty clean game, you know, on, on both sides, low, low turnovers, which has been a problem for Michigan. And I think Michigan's also had problems on the offensive, on the, you know, surrendering offensive rebounds. And 
that wasn't a huge issue for them on this day either. I mean, you know, Jamison Battles, you know, had had 27, uh, 27 and seven, um, you know, and uh, they got contributions kind of from the rest of the other starters. And it was enough on what was actually kind of not a terrible shooting performance for Michigan, aside from like, I, I guess, you know, they struggled a little bit from three. But um, I mean, this is tough, I think, for Michigan, you know, because they're still trying to figure out like where, you know, after the kind of high ranking um, coming into the season, they're still trying to figure out, you know, now where their new kind of standing is. And you hope this isn't one that kind of comes to nip them in the bud, like if they end up being a bubble team. You know, I, I think Michigan's probably more trending towards a, a bubble team at this point than like a top quarter of the conference team. But I, I actually think when we look back on this game, you know, in March, we'll see that it's two teams that are, you know, probably close to 500 in, in conference facing off against each other. And so I, I don't actually know that it'll terribly hurt Michigan. Um, coming down the stretch, I think Minnesota's a lot better than what we all thought they were. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's that's very fair. It looks like just from uh, looking at the kind of minutes distributions from Michigan games this week, Michigan's games this week, excuse me, the Juwan's kind of shuffling his lineups a bit. I know Brandon Johns isn't in the starting lineup anymore, uh, and they've been starting Diabate, who's been playing pretty well, um, especially on on the defensive end and, and on the glass. So I think it'll be that's an interesting situation. Uh, I think for us to monitor. Um, and they also actually only played eight guys last night. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see how all these lineups keep getting shuffled, um, as we head towards the middle of conference play. Uh, I mean, I, as someone that I, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried about Minnesota's depth and I think that there's the potential for a real hard fall off come the end of conference season. So we'll, we'll see what that loss ends up looking like. But as of right now, especially considering the win over, uh, Mississippi State the other week. I, I don't think it's really anything that, as of now, looks looks too terrible. Uh, and as I mentioned a couple minutes earlier, Purdue was able to bounce back in a very odd end of regulation game uh, where there were three turnovers with like six seconds left. So I, I you know, it was, it was odd. But NC State's not a bad team. It was good for Purdue to to get a bounce back win, especially after uh, you know not a lot of their guys didn't play well on uh, in at the Jersey Mike arena in against Rutgers. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think that that's, you know, a good way to Trayvon Williams almost had a triple double. So I think they're, they're getting back on track. And I think before we close it out, we will take a look at the week ahead. Um, I, obviously a lot of teams right now will be going back to campus, having finals. Um, there's a lot of buy games coming up, um, but there are still a few interesting ones. And I think we can start, uh, with the yearly Crossroads Classic, uh, so that the matchups in that this year are Butler, Purdue, and IU, Notre Dame, and I'm I'm actually a really big fan of this of this event as a whole. It's it's usually two really good games. Everyone's usually at a pretty similar skill level, um, so I think I think we'll get at least one one really good one out of this. So what what if you're if you're in, like an Indiana fan, especially heading into this game with Notre Dame, I'd assume you're expecting to to win that game to kind of regroup from the loss against Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't know. I, you know, after Notre Dame, um, after, after no, Notre just Dame, just beat Kentucky. Uh, that's right. Instead of Kentucky, you know, you, you maybe have to take a second look at that. But yeah, you know, a, a great opportunity regardless for IU. I mean, I, again, I think we don't really have any clue how you know whether a good or bad not. So this is just another um, measuring stick game in that regard. And I think with with Butler and Purdue, with Purdue, it's just more kind of continuing. But Butler looks like a pretty good team this year. 
um, Purdue should win, but like for Purdue, it's just all about kind of um, making sure your, your, you know, your, your shield as uh, as now a, the hunted is, um, is, you know, as strong as it can be. Uh, and I, I think they should win. I would not be surprised if Butler won, you know, they're going to make it tough. Um, they, you know, they'll slow, you know, they'll try to slow them down, um, try to turn them over. Um, but I think Purdue should win. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think, you know, Indiana had a little, little get right game against Merrimack yesterday, one handily. So I think that was good for, for them to get back on track. And yeah, I think, you know, coming out of this, this East coast trip for Purdue, I think there are some things they need to work on. I think perimeter defense is going to be a big Big deal and point of emphasis for Matt Painter going forward. And, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think, you know, Butler's offense isn't as worrisome, I think, as their as their defense is. So, I, you know, I think hopefully Purdue will be able to kind of use that to get get back on track um, and kind of kind of reestablish themselves and, and after a, a couple interesting games. Uh, and then another game that I always forget this event exists, but it's the CBS Sports Classic. Um, I'm not really sure why Ohio State is in this series, but that's a different conversation, I suppose. Uh, this year, they draw Kentucky, um, and obviously Kentucky's had its major ups and downs so far this year. Uh, it's kind of always a fun question as to which version of that team is going to show up, um, but it's another chance for for kind of Liddell to establish himself on a national stage, and I think if, if the guard play can kind of maintain its levels from that Wisconsin game, there's no reason they can't put up a really good fight against it, and honestly, we'll probably even be favored in this may, might be favored in this game, but I'm interested to see how they perform against a, a extremely athletic team like Kentucky. And then just one under the radar game, not to, um, not to forget about is uh, Iowa. Um, Iowa plays Utah state in um, at the, at the Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on Saturday as well. Um, you know, we know I was kind of taken taking the, their last three games on the chin. We didn't even talk about how they got kind of blown out of the water against the Cyclones, but they're, they're facing a tough schedule, not an easy you know team to, I think, play against at a neutral site there, but hopefully they can get back on track. Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely going to be one to watch. And I also really don't like watching games at the Pentagon because there are roughly 8 million three-point lines on that court. It always makes spectating difficult. So that's going to be it for us this week. Uh, you know, despite uh, no long, no more conference games, we still have a, an interesting week ahead of us, and we will be back next Sunday to recap it all. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next week.